and we are recording in progress recording with the one and only mr tom luongo on saturday march 25th 2023 at 204 p.m eastern time guys if you want to support the show click on the little red button for locals don't give money to patreon or youtube they're commies uh give money to rumble and locals and more importantly me because i have an american flag i'm not a communist that's my pitch use promo code tommy i think you get some shit for free mr luongo how are you doing it's fine. I actually tell people to use Patreon all the time because the Patreon's treated me nothing but nothing but really well. But you know, we're also going to eventually, you know, be able to take other take money from other other sources. But Patreon won't even let me post. Oh, they no, let people pay me. They don't want me post. So <laughs> I don't. That's funny, and that's so funny because like I, dude, I've never had any problem with them, and you know, I skirt the, you know, and I I skirt the the veil of. Yeah. of I mean, I call these people evil Euro trash commies, and like you know, and there's a picture of like. Christine Lagarde and he's you know with a meme uh, with Christine Lagarde going so where's the wet spot you know yeah. I mean like yeah. I call them <laughs> I call them satanic pedophiles and that well, may be, yeah. that may that be crossed that probably the, that's you know I mean you're, you're maybe you're just a little bit just a little bit yeah uh, you know, I've, I've look been... obviously you 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 there's some there's some tumblerina on safe space over at fucking Patreon who you pissed off and that and they and they twiddled the bit and that's it I and have. I have started streaming video games on this podcast channel and then I unlist them because I don't want like potential guests to see them because they make this show look calm and collected. And like, <laughs> like we were, I was playing last night. With my... I, you know, it's funny. I've had, I've had, it's been, I, you know, you know, I'm not only a big and avid board gamer, but I'm also a pretty, I've been video gaming. Like, I don't know, since they were video games, like oh, really? going back, Mac, going back to the Mac two E and playing, you know, castle, the original castle Wolfenstein in text. On you know, and the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and all that stuff. So I play Guild Wars Two, and everybody's like, "Dude!" I, and when World of Warcraft Classic came out, right? This is I know everybody's tuning in for the geopolitics. Oh fuck off! Now let's do this. Classic. This is better. Let's do this. WoW Classic for a minute. But I was doing live streams tw twice a week during when WoW Classic came out, and I'm like, "Dude, I so can't fucking wait!" And we actually like some of my audience and I, we like got together, made a small guild, and then ran through all the original WoW content. Me tanking and them, you know, it was great. We had a blast. It was so much fun to go back through and do all because I never did those original vanilla WoW dungeons in a guild, right? I got into a I got into a raiding guild right at the end of vanilla WoW. Like we were trying to, you know, I got in and saw like Molten Core three or four times, you know, watched us fail on Blackwing Lair, and then oop, Burning Crusade, and then Burning Crusade is where I spent the most of the time in my in my happy time in WoW. You know, with my raiding guild, and we had a, we had a great time, but I never got to do that original content under the original rules. Trying to tank five mans without the right as a warrior without the right fucking skills, and then watching you know watching paladins just like ground fart and you know grab six fucking mobs and you know AOE tanking, which was never an option you know for real warriors. So we had a blast. I mean, and I I just had the best it's, time like the first six months of World of Warcraft Classic. It's the most fun. All my buddies play World of Warcraft. I haven't played it. I'm afraid I'll get addicted. We were playing. Uh, there's a great game called Ready or Not, and you're a SWAT right. team, and uh, it's it's unlike other shooters in that you're like not you're supposed to be like a cop. So you're supposed right. to like zip tie everyone, like only use lethal force if necessary, no unauthorized uses of force. Now, obviously, I don't play the game like that. I go through just like the SS, and I I handcuff and execute everyone, and I fail every day. They're always God damn it, Tommy! What we had a perfect score of my you know my buddy will do it perfectly. He'll look under the door with the the uh, the camera, the fiber wire. He'll peek mm -hmm. it. He'll see the guy. He'll flashbang it. Less than lethal beanbag to the knee. Take him down. Zip tie him. And it's like, you know, you get all these points. You 
plus 500, plus 500. And then I'll just walk in after them with like a fucking Colt 45 and just put it that gets the head and just splatter on the wall. And they're like, motherfucker. But we were doing that last <laughs> night and it's so much fucking fun. And uh, yeah. I don't know how yeah, we got I, on that. Yeah, no, seriously, I, I, tend, I, I, I was, so I'm getting ready to, to, to do my taxes because it's that time of the year. So I was going through the pile of paperwork this morning. I had to finish some work for Newsmax this morning. I had a whole bunch of stuff to do because I'm going away for five days and I have a bunch of bunch of work to do out of town. And so I'm like, I looked over and it was like 1.30. And I'm like, oh, 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 I can get another daily done on Guild Wars 2 before I have to sit down with Dr. To- Tommy. So I pop in, tell the, all right, dudes, we have to do Fractal 15. That's all I, that's all I have the time for maybe that and one more. If we could do that one first, that'd be fucking awesome. Did so. Got got the loot and and popped an ascended ring and out of the loot I'm like which is like a one in uh, less than one percent chance I'm like score and then we move on because I gotta I gotta get some legendary gear baby Dude, you, that's, that's, you should that's, that's, get, that's all there you should game with us man it's so fucking I hate cool. first, first, first first person shooters I'm all right like uh, uh, I'm old and and first person shooters make me fucking sick to my stomach gotcha so um, so I'm I'm always been a bit twiddler and a systems guy so it's why I like board games so MMOs are like the are like the real time. Okay, so what build goes with this gotcha. content? And I'm a, I'm that kind of guy, right? So no different than all of my ridiculous geopolitical and analysis. I, I it's the same. I game the same goddamn way that I I work, even though it's you know. I'm yeah. I'm I'm an awful gamer. I do the same. Hitman, you're supposed to be stealthy, like Red Dead Redemption, like eight year eighteen ninety nine, like what? Every game I do, I play the same. I just shoot right. everyone in the head. That's all I ever do. So it's funny you, you, you say that, right? And I go back to it. So for the OGs in the audience, you'll remember, maybe you'll remember a game called Syndicate, which was a, like a, a, it was a, a single player squad based game where you had you had these androids and you had to go, you know, run, run in. And it was a isometric squad based game. And um, but it was just you. Right. And Syndicate was awesome. And every every and the game was like, okay, we have to keep like clearing the map and clearing the map until we get to the, the final the final big thing. And, and the missions were all a little different. And it was always, I remember, you know, and my wife used to sit there and watch me play. And I'm like, and th- so you'd go and like some missions, you like jack them up with drugs, give them mini guns and just blow everything to hell and to hell and gone. And then, then, then there was the mission. This mission requires stealth, blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. You want to do it. Why I like this. And I'm like, nope, no full drugs, full mini guns. Let's just yes. walk in and, and crush everybody. Cause, oh, you can't possibly clear this map. Like, oh, watch me. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'll take two hours and I'll shoot 500 people on a hitman map. I'll, and it's 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 also like the primary reason I I truly believe in the Second Amendment is because the first thing I do is I take out all the guards who can fight back, and then I just slaughter the civilians, and it's yeah, and it's yeah I I my my and I, lo- I wondered you know whether or not you were you were a sociopath the first time we met but, you know <laughs> I, that's now confirmed for me yeah yeah well luckily <laughs> I keep it in the realm of video games and uh, yeah I know I always just use the logic of of Curtis LeMay. And the result of the World War II bombing campaign, decisive victory. And I just, right. that's my logic. Um, I, I go, I mean, you know, I mean, when it comes to that stuff, you know, I mean, b- believe me, there's, there's, that's, it's, I, I, I was only kidding, by the way. Like, I, yes, I, I watched people's worst sociopathic behavior come out in a non consequence, a consequenceless like environment, a la gaming, watching yeah. people, you know, gank each other like every guy who ever plays a freaking rogue in, a, in an mmo is, is just there to get a sociopathic rocks yeah. off ganking newbies and freaking elwin forest like i get it I'm like okay if you find that fun and you like, you must off 
I mean, do, but do you like pulling the legs off the spiders in the real world? No, like, really? no, like, no, I, no, I, no. I, that's never held any fascination for me, right? No, so, no, that um, stuff that 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 idea of of uh, like hurting animals that that mm. I get I get upset when a guest doesn't have a good time. I'll call him after and be like, "Hey, man, like I hope that was okay." Like I'm a total pussy. Like it's <laughs> video games. It's just. People are like, how can you do that in a video game? I'm like, because I have the mental capacity to understand that it's pixels. It's not real. Yeah, I'm just killing pixels. Just like words aren't, just like words can't hurt you. It's fucking pixels. Like, I'm in slippers. Like, um, but for the purpose of this show, which I kind of forgot about, um, uh, after shooting people is, uh, so somebody commented in, uh, in locals last week and they're like, hey, could you get Tom back on for one, the war between the Fed and ECB, which I think we've, covered several times before but i mean i guess we could hit it again uh two and then i don't know what this is how sofr supplants libor that's that's cuneiform to me and then three general thesis on how the world is transitioning away from euro dollars now again i understand about four of those words and they're all the like the the prepositions and like nothing else (laughs) but it's what the people have requested and fair enough because so I have they, access so I'm to you. not allowed to talk about wow classic anymore and we can keep we can do that for another hour i don't give a shit i don't get i don't i don't give a shit we can talk about anything <laughs> uh, but no I, I, i'm gonna say two things one i was on with the duran boys on alex and alex on the duran on thursday morning and if you haven't watched that live stream it's about an hour and a half um I was probably in my best form and in in terms of trying to explain all of this, including the recent stuff. I mean, I rarely like give myself a good grade. Like my Rotten Tomato score of me in media is pretty is pretty low. So usually around 25 to 30 percent. But this one was one of those where I was like, okay, I'm on point here because I was cogent and everything else. And part of the reason why is because I'd already given the talk a couple of times. I had just done a podcast for my subscribers over my Newsmax newsletter like not 20 minutes before. So I already had it all fresh in my head. Yeah. So let's talk about, I, I'm going to leave aside all the stuff with, with Silicon Valley bank and credit Suisse, because that's another layer of, of uh, complexity and words that you don't understand. Okay. Right. And I don't want, I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to go there. So let's start with the basic stuff. So um, the fed versus the ECB is now no longer a theory. It's obvious that, and I'm going to like go back to, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna add a, a simple layer to this. If you have if y'all have not read or listened to Daniel DiMartino's Booth Booth's book Fed Up, where she has, goes through the history of her when she was at the Fed, and and you go through especially in the second half of the book where she's describing the zero bound interest rate policies of Bernanke and Yellen and the divisions the 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 the, the ideological divisions and the uh, uh, the click and the clicks within the Fed. It was very clear that Yellen, who was president of the San Francisco Fed, and a, and a hyper-Keynesian, like all the woman's, you know, academic work is on labor theory, for Christ's sake. So, you know, add two words and we have Marxism, labor theory of value, right? So it's very clear that all she really cares about is labor, Marxism. She's always been a freaking commie within the Fed. And she, and the San Francisco Fed turned a blind eye to so much stuff during the 2008 lead up to the 2008 financial crisis and the excesses during uh, QE and ZERP years. And now the fallout from that, which is Silicon Valley Bank, which became this this nexus of vipers 
of off uh, this this thing wasn't really a bank as much as it was an onshore shadow bank meaning it did a whole lot of of non-bank style transactions and deals with third parties right so it was and and because of that you could look at it like an offshore caymans bank doing a lot of shady crap for people who, you know if you if you don't want to know the mechanics of it just understand it's why people like bank in the caymans or the bahamas or any of these other friggin british protectorates they're all to evade various banking regulations while people were using silicon valley bank as in, in venture capital and the venture capitalists in silicon valley were using silicon valley bank in much the same way and then levering up a whole bunch of money but a lot of the money that was being dumped in the silicon valley bank was actually stuff that first was spent by Congress, went offshore, got levered up overseas, and then brought back to the United States, and then levered up again through venture capital for, you know, AI, you know, the the latest versions of, you know, social media versions of pets.com and all the rest of this shit that they were literally bankrolling for nothing. And Silicon Valley Bank, having talked now to at least half a dozen people in the industry, they've all said the same thing. Well, you know, if you had a dumb idea and you couldn't get it funded anywhere else at a real bank, you went to Silicon Valley Bank and they were like, oh yeah, here, here's a billion dollars. Okay. You know, so there was a lot of that going on. So this bank, and this bank was under the auspice of the San Francisco Fed, which is the nexus point where Janet Yellen set the culture within the San Francisco Fed while she was there for God knows how many years. And her successor was one of the officers of Silicon Valley Bank, if not the CEO. Um, after he was so, um, San Francisco Fed president. Like, so this is this, this line of succession. It's almost like Davos owned the San Francisco Fed and used it to create this ridiculous thing, this $255 billion, you know, I, I, uh, what's the best way of putting it? Clusterfuck. Um, yeah, it's not even a clusterfuck. That's one way of putting it. I'm like trying to come up with something really um, um, descriptive in banking terms. Okay. But it's just thinking of it, just think of it as this is, you know, the worst kind of offshore, you know, uh, 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 pile of money sitting onshore doing damage and being distributed amongst uh, around the US in order to do the worst kind of stuff you can think of. Okay. You know, and, and, uh, you know, and that's, that needed to be taken out. As far as I'm concerned, I think the Fed did that. They did that the same way because they had their hooks into crypto, just like Silvergate did, just like Signature Bank did. They were all, you know, funneling money back and forth through the various stable coins, which the Fed can't stand because, well, hey, they're just synthetic dollars again, right? Any any stable coin that's pegged to the U.S. dollar is a synthetic dollar. If it spends, if it if it if you know it attracts investor capital, and then gets levered up through you know these ridiculous DeFi projects paying 78,000%, right? Think about that. They're just creating dollars. They're creating they're creating synthetic dollars out of thin air from magic beans. Worse than anything the Congress ever does. Worse than, you know, I mean, it's the worst of the worst. And it's the end, it's kind of the logical end of the fractional reserve banking system. So all the Fed is trying to do now is say, okay, you know what? That's enough. Why don't we stop that? And this is Powell's been saying this for 15 years that this has been wrong, even when he was a junior member of the FOMC, you know, when he was a member, a junior member of, of, the, of the board, you know, a non-voting member of the board, all that. And he was, you know, he was always he was always like uh, skeptical of Bernanke's two percent inflation target. He was always, you know, he never um, went along with QE. He never liked it, never went, never wanted to go to the zero bound. I mean, even before he became FOMC chair. Gotcha. So. 
there's this ideological fight here that's always been, you know, that's been ex- existent, uh, existent within the Fed since Greenspan left. Okay. So now we're at the moment in time where you have to ask yourself, who do these people actually work for? Hmm. Because I look at Yellen as, tre- and then of course, Obama, I mean, Biden, I mean, Obama puts Yellen in charge of Treasury. Why? Well, of course, because she's the because she's going to be the one to shepherd fiscal policy and treasury policy so that it's as antagonistic as possible to anything Powell tries to do to normalize interest rates, to normalize monetary policy and all the rest of it. The fun part about this is that and the goal of that, of course, is to sell what's left of the United States out to back to the European globalists where we sent all our freaking money to be levered up and destroyed and have and destroy our, 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 our cap tape, basically the balance sheet, and the cap table of the United States through this Euro dollar system. And guys like, I, I hate to say this guys like Jeff Snyder and Brent Johnson, Santiago, uh, uh, Brent Johnson, uh, dollar milkshake theory, um, don't get it. They, they, they're like, if they, if they're, if generously they're knee jerk libertarians, they go, well, the Euro dollar system is more market-based than the central planning of the fed. So therefore it's better. Like, no, it's not. It's not a market process. It's a market process that was only capable of it coming into existence at the zero bound, which is the ultimate abrogation of free market economics, which is that investment, that new money doesn't cost anything, that there's no risk associated with any of this, that there's no risk associated with making new loans or you know, funding fucking tranny bathrooms and all the rest of this shit. Yeah. Like, dumb ideas don't die when the when money is free no if, if anything dumb ideas proliferate no natural like selection yeast in a in, in a beer wart when money is free and that's what we're living through today and okay. so i can't I, I cannot abide the idea that these guys think that this is some that the euro dollar system is somehow superior to the federal reserve it's complete nonsense because none of this is promoting the return of community banking none of this is 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 promoting the return to net in, basic net interest margin, margin banking, where you've got an idea, you go to a bank and say, look, I've got this idea for a local business that we need. I need, I need $50,000 to open my business. You know, what are you going to charge me? You know, will you fund the loan and how much is it going to cost me? The depositors of the, the, the bank takes, takes $50,000 of the deposits, gives it to you, charges you 6% and pays the and pays the depositors 3%. The bank cut, the bank takes 3%, the depositors get 3%. You get the the money for six, and you go out and make eight percent with it, because that's the whole that's net interest margin, and the bank's net interest margin under that model I just laid out is three percent. It's a good business, not bad. So but this... is is the euro dollar system, which is and the shadow banking system, which which takes all of these zero cost dollars and levers them up to fucking Lehman levels or worse, that's somehow free fucking market. How about you go fuck yourself and we'll call it even? Because that's the bull, that's the biggest bunch of fucking horse shit I've ever heard. It 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 makes me it makes me angry because it actually feeds the these conspiracy theories like uh, real conspiracy theories like by guys like Jay Dyer and others who say, oh well, libertarianism was just a, a big CIA, um, a, a big CIA op to 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 justify destroying our country. I'm like, no, it's just, we're just living through half a fucking two, three, two thirds of a generation of zero cost money and everything looks freaking and everything's fucked up. Well, no shit. Everything's fucked up because you've just 
ultimately, this is the ultimate corruption of money as a medium of exchange and of risk assessment in the private capital markets. So returning the banking system to some, some form of proper risk assessment where the risk-free rate isn't zero because it's not, like, it's just dumb. I mean, this, these guys are just taking the bond equation, which was never designed for our star to equal zero and made it equal to zero. And then, pfft, then we get infinite freaking leverage. It's fucking retarded, Tommy. It so, really is. It's really retarded. And guys like this who don't, who, who promulgate these freaking ideas and who are smart enough to know better, at this point in time, you got to wonder what their freaking motivation is. Is it ego? Do they work for somebody else? Like, this is the ultimate black pill. Yeah. Right? And to me, it's just like, fuck that. Powell's just like, I just want to return everything to a base. To, I want to get back to, to, like, lending money at risk and putting capital ca- capital back to work. Can we do that? Now, clearly, the Europeans don't want that. The Europeans want to collapse the system. George Soros is very clear. Collapse the system, get rid of all the sovereign debt, issue default on the debt, issue perpetual debt, and then start all over again, but with a central bank digital currency that puts everybody in friggin', you know, minority report, where they're tracked and and they have and they have no access to money unless the powers that be say you're allowed to have access to money. This is what the platforming is all about. This is what you know, COVID jails are all about, and all the rest of it. It's to get you primed to accept that this is the way the world is going to be. Fuck you. Yeah. Fuck that. So, so like this, this is the fundamentals of the war. Like, because I, th- the way I look at it, just one last point is that look, the commercial banks in the United States, the guys like J.P. Morgan and and Goldman and all that, they're all scumbags, as you and I have talked before. But that doesn't mean that they look at the other guys and go, "You're far worse." Like, we can get back to like the big banks don't want the the, the basic net interest margin banking, but they they don't want the as I've been saying in multiple <laughs> podcasts now, they don't want to fund a new library in Palatka, okay. They don't want to, you know, they don't want to underwrite a loan for a feed store in Tarpon Springs. Like, that's not what they want, okay? They don't want that business. They needed that business in 2008 when the shadow banking system collapsed and all of their balance sheets had blown up and the whole old system had blown up. Then they needed the good assets out of the smaller banks to roll onto their balance sheets and in order to stabilize themselves. Today, we have the exact opposite. And the big banks are just fine. There's nothing wrong with any of the big banks in the United States. The problem now is that with the is that as a consequence of raising interest rates very quickly, the balance sheets of the smaller banks have got had a big hole in them. Because as interest rates rise, the US treasuries that they had on their balance sheets in order to offset their as collateral for to offset their deposits were dropped in value. And this is why um I don't know about you, but I, I've seen it. Like I, I remember just kind of musing a couple of months ago saying, look, why is it that we're at 4.5% and my credit union is still paying me 0.15% on deposits? Well, the, clearly, because my credit union has a big hole in their balance sheet and they're pocketing the difference on, and they're trying to recapitalize before they pay out, um, before they start paying out interest again. The interesting part about the bank term funding program, the the response to Silicon Valley Bank, was that all the regional banks could go to the Fed and pledge that those treasuries, which are say 20 or 25% underwater, pledge them to the Fed at par and fill the hole in their balance sheet. 
get a loan and fill that and fill that hole in their balance sheet, which will now allow them to start offering savings rates. What's that going to do? It's going to make a big, nice, big demand for U.S. Treasuries to firm up the U.S. banking system. This is different. So it's a, it's it's not the same crisis as 2008, and it further underscores the argument that the Fed is trying to return our banking system back to something more rational that we all understand, as opposed to the casino that we've lived under for the last 15 years. And because we libertarians have been so good at calling into question the the efficacy of having a central bank in the goddamn first place and the Fed, it's taken people who have a, 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 a shallow understanding of what the problem is, but they're not wrong. Central banking is evil. Fractional reserve banking is not a good thing. I don't give a shit what anybody says. I believe in property rights. I believe in, I, I'm a, still a Rothbardian at heart. 100% reserve banking, hard money, the whole nine yards. I, fundamentally, that's what I believe. I believe in, I believe in real, I believe in real growth at one to 2%. That's what I believe in. And everything else is just people trying to make, trying to, trying to pull forward production from the future that they shouldn't be trying to through the central planning of interest rates. And if the market needs more credit, let the market deal with the, 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 the credit. Not, don't make the central government the arbiter of what the price of credit is. And that criticism by Ron Paul and others is absolutely trenchant and on point. But we don't live in that world. We don't live anywhere close to that world. We've got 25 to 30 years worth of da- damage, worth of, worth of malinvestment that has to be unwound if we want to do so and cause as little harm as possible. As long as we understand what the order of operations is to get from where we are to where we want to go, and not just go, well, we're at point A, we need to get to point Z. How about we just, you know, get rid of that, that whole, what was that whole middle thing? You know, the, the, the classic line from what fish call Wanda. What was that middle thing, right? If she doesn't understand anything, let's just go from A to Z or like the underpants gnomes crash, you know, um, lever up the banking system, nothing, profit. Like, or yeah. how about lever up the banking system, delever the banking system, uh, crash the economy, go to Mad, and you know, ignore the whole Mad Max thing that you would do in the, in, in the interim. So, you know, how do you, as Federal Reserve Chair, rebuild a banking system that doesn't immediately fall apart? Hmm. Well, you do it in stages and, you, and you, you raise interest rates until you break something, and then you deal with the fallout of what you broke. It's not going to be perfect. You're gonna you're all you're gonna take um, unbelievable criticism from all, from everybody from the people whose oxes you're boring the ones who have been making money on with nothing uh, at, you know make trading nothing for something for the last 15 years they're gonna be pissed off you're gonna piss off all the politicians who think that the gravy train of deficit spending is gonna continue forever you're gonna be you're gonna piss off the foreign oligarchs who you know thought that they were gonna be able to wage war against humanity in perpetuity. And hey, you're even gonna you're even gonna piss off those quote unquote libertarians, who are hyper uh, um, sensitive to any form of a whiff of central uh, of central planning because they're acting and, and responding ideologically as opposed to practically, and not using 
the arguments of Austrian of, of Austrian economics and Austrian business cycle theory to go to analyze what's happening as opposed to just you know putting their you know standing on their fucking soapbox and no central bank is evil no no and like and I learned this and this, the sad part about this is that this is nothing new for me okay I used when I was doing this stuff during 2000 when I was when I was a person trying to figure all this shit out back in 2008 and I didn't understand anything. I knew that of all the guys that I read over at the Mises Institute and over at Lou Rockwell on a regular basis, the only one that made any practical sense about what was going to happen next was Gary North. Because Gary North would just apply the rigor mostly consistently, more consistently than anybody else. He didn't get everything right, but he got things more right than anybody else. He said, look, this is what Bernanke is doing. This is, it's going to lead to this. It's you know not going to lead to hyperinflation. He called. He said that, and and every, while everybody else was losing their minds, I'm like, oh, that's the guy I want to listen to because he made arguments that made sense. I'm like, and so I've just been honing that for years now, and so when we got to this moment in time, when Powell starts, you know, draining the offshore dollar markets by first by stealth tightening and then by actual tightening and everybody's denying the fact that he's tightening when it's clearly happening. Like, I got to ask, like, are, do you even know what you're, you're saying? Do you even know what you're talking about? Cause it clearly you don't because you're wedded to an idea and to a reality that isn't true. So it was true. It's not any longer. Yellen is no longer because personnel is policy and Yellen has always wanted to destroy the United States banking system. I think people can disagree with me about that, but that's what her record clearly shows that that's been her goal. It's been Bernanke. It was Bernanke's goal. And, uh, you know, they always had a plan to undermine the Fed's credibility, I think in order to roll the whole thing up to, you know, the, the globalist institute, one banking government, one world government with one, with one banking system, and get rid of commercial banking, leave the nominal central banks in charge, and leave the Fed just one more central bank amongst many, as opposed to it being the central bank of the United States. Gotcha. And I'm a patriot. And in that way, because I still believe that we have the, we have the best legal system, we have, well, I have problems with the constitution, Still better than anything else that's out there. Yeah, in theory, yeah. not practice. So you know, do we want to do we want to be France? No, because that's where we're headed. This is the least worst place. America has right. a ton of flaws, and I'll I'll, exactly. nev I'll never deny that. To deny that is retarded. But you know, it's I I always use this analogy. I'm on the fifth floor. Let's say this building catches on fire and the staircase collapses. I'm looking out. There's a there's a tree on the sidewalk. I'd jump for that because I think that goes up to like the third floor and I'd probably break some bones and probably get impaled, but it's better than choice B burning to death or choice Buying C jumping and just going five floors and hitting the pavement. I don't want to jump out my window onto a tree. That's not something I want to do. However, <laughs> when, when scanning the landscape, you go, that's the least worst one. And yeah, Janet Yellen just kind of seems like a dumb commie bitch. And for the monetary thing, 
the the free money is that the equivalent of everybody gets a trophy is that just the same horse shit no one has to like yeah no one has to pitch like here's why my investment's better instead it's just hey i want to fucking make it hey we and worse we can lay off the risk yeah we can sell because we can sell the risk to the pension funds who need who need yield i want to make an lgbtq transition clinic for a petting zoo you're funded Instead You're of funded and oh, because okay, that's don't worry about it because it doesn't matter because I'm just going to take that money. You just take that money and we'll, and we'll sell it to this. We'll sell we'll sell the idea to this guy. We'll securitize the risk and then we'll sell it and then we'll and then we'll 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 slice it up into fifty different tranches. We'll stick it into fifty different bond funds. We'll we'll slap a triple A rating on it and then you know and then we'll and then we'll take the proceeds from the magic beans portion of the. Uh, of this thing, and we'll pay six percent out to the fucking pension funds who are de- so desperate for yield that that's what they do. The chickens come. Oh, home this to is roost. and this is like and this is and they consider this commerce. They consider this investing. They consider this like rational economic behavior by humans. Uh, eventually, Fuck you people. Like eventually, it all comes home. Like you, mm-hmm. it does eventually. Co- and then eventually but, math wins, Tommy. Yeah, it's but then I always think about this and this I, this is not like an admiration or an approval, but more so just like a an objection or a, an objective like observation. Maybe the idea is you can just do whatever the fuck you want because you have the biggest military and it's just like, yeah, it doesn't need to make sense. We'll just bomb them. And it's like that's well, I mean, that, that was part. That's part of the that's part of it. Part of it was, you know, we, we have financial nuclear weapons. Yeah. Access to SWIFT, blah, 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 blah. We have all this money out there that's just kind of destroying governments. It's destroying governments that 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 starts coups, that funds color revolutions, <sighs> that, you know, funds all this CIA operative shit, like all the stuff that we're, uh, COVID vaccines and all I, like all of this stuff is all zero bound money. Yeah. And it all it all stops when money is five percent. It all stops like dead fucking cold, especially when it's this leverage. Because so, what leverage giveth you on the way up in terms of power, prestige, and 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 wealth, wealth, and I use that term loosely, sarcastically, ironically. Um, I intend this breast satirically. Sorry, that's <laughs> the line I was going for from coupling. Um, it takes away twice as fast on the way down okay. because you're levered to the tits, and a ten percent move against you can wipe you out if you're levered up twenty to one. So because you have no because you have no because you have no because you have no underlying capital up to say if you have so if you if you have if you control twenty million dollars worth of assets on a one million dollar capital base, right? Like um, once the you know in order for you to maintain your leverage ratio, if that if if you wind up losing. If that if that, that those assets that are out there at twenty million dollars drop to ten million in value, like you now don't have you have one million dollars worth of money that you could pay out to the people that you owe money to. So all that has to happen is that when you're levered up twenty to one with your one million dollars that you have on can- hand in cash versus the twenty million that you actually owe people, if the if that drops to you know what happens when it drops to nineteen? Well, you're wiped out. Like if you've ever if you've ever bought stocks on margin, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So back to the video games, it's back. <laughs> it, it's the it's the objective. Like if I was to remove myself from the real world, and this is a video game, 
yeah, I'm doing all this shit. I'm just printing money. I'm kicking the can down the road because it eventually comes to if anyone really comes and tries to like call me on my debt, I'm just gonna put I'm just gonna put the Abrams tank out and put a sable around through their family. But like, yeah, what happens? But what happens when you don't have the Abrams? You can't pay the guy to bring the Abrams tank to bear. What happens when you run out of Abrams tanks and you can't buy and you can't buy anymore? You just go to war. You try. How are you gonna pay for it? Well, it doesn't matter. You're just lever go, it up again. Just go kill them. That, okay, it's like with what? It's, we it's, just sent. Like, like we're, we've, we've sent a lot of. This is why Putin is like draining the the vitality, the, the physical vitality through a war of attrition in yeah. Ukraine of all of NATO. Yeah. Now I'm not saying that behind the scenes we're not we're not lever, we're not gearing up for war. Not not just us, but the Brits and all of Europe. Oh, they are spending money like you would not fucking believe. Oh no, they want the war. They want the war. They're Every, going to get the war. Everybody they wants have to have the war in order to cover this. They, I, and, and that's their next and that's the next move here. But what Powell can do in the short term, in the near term, is make that cost of going to war so high that we can't afford to run. We can't afford to stay at war for very long. And then the big question is what, you know, how does it all work out in the end? It's uh, and then but then there's like the you got to zoom out even more to like, I mean, what's the average lifespan? 80? These people don't give a shit. Kick, kick, kick the can down the road, print the money, and then it's right. and then it's over, and then I'm done, and I'm well, out of here. Well, that's, that's, so that's why so that's much what, of this is happening. That's what we've been doing for 110 years. The generations that actually put this policy in place are trying to preserve what's left of it yeah. to pass on to their posterity because they're all done. Yeah, and then just yeah, start a war, just bomb them. Who gives a shit? Just everybody wants a we war. We have to get rid of all these useless eaters anyway. Yeah, they don't give a fuck. It's no, they don't. They have their bunkers. They have their mansions. They have their real wealth that they've stolen. They have their big pile, big stacks of gold coins. Yeah, and all the rest of it. Yeah, no, it's it's you just math does win, but then you just bomb them, and that's just kind of what we've been doing. And who gives a shit if it doesn't work out? Just, I mean, we're thirty. It's sad. It's it's very sad. I mean, we're thirty trillion dollars in debt. But I mean, man, if I had thirty trillion dollars, like, yeah, I'm just gonna buy the biggest military ever, and then yeah, come try to collect your debt. It's... Well, they're not. Like, what, what's going to happen is this. The problem is, is that, yeah, there's about seven and a half trillion of that debt is owned by foreign central banks. Um, that has to be, some of that is going to have to be on, brought back on shore. Yeah. You have to. To recapitalize the U.S. banking system, which is absolutely the right thing to do. But the other thing that has to happen here is that, Cong is that Congress has to put the pressure, that has to, has to hold the line on spending. And I just, you know, I just saw something at Zero Hedge this morning, and I tweeted it out. And of course, I tweeted it out with a friggin' um, uh, typo in it. So of course, what should have been a hundred billion dollars in that um, <coughs> in that tweet was a hundred dollars, which doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but it's uh, general top general admits Pentagon is training coup leaders in Africa. You know, when I say look, I, I, and all I said was, huh, that's interesting. And you tell me that we can't find a hundred billion dollars to cut out of the friggin' budget to pay for the the interest rate. The, to service the debt at 5% versus a 0%, really? Or 2%, you know, whatever, the $200 billion or whatever. We can't find $200 billion in a $4.6 trillion budget. Like I, and we're funding coups in Africa. Really? Is that air you think you're breathing? Like, we can't, come, we can't figure this shit out? That's value? You think we're, you're adding to the, States, the balance sheet of the United States? Like, really? Like, because nobody wants to fund coups in Africa except for the people who have access to the purse strings to make the decisions on whether or not we fund coups in Africa. 
Yeah, you got to get those and natural resources somehow. So I think I think it's no, it's not about that. We have plenty of resources. It's not about that. It's about I, they say that that's what that that's what it's about. But what it's really about is control. Yeah. What it's really about is them being able to decide who gets to and who doesn't get to be the help. Gotcha. That's it. Yeah, I mean, because the Africans would be happy to trade it to us. Where do you They'd be think? happy to partner with us and build the, you know. But no, these they, we're talking about the leadership of both the European continent and many of the people who are in p- political positions in the United States that have a colonial mindset. All they want to do is extract the wealth and keep everybody in a form of new form of feudalism. What the European Union is designed to do is to roll everything up into a new form of European feudalism except it's going to exist as your digital per- persona where you won't be able to get, because if you can't get access to real capital to anything other than through your phone, well, guess what? And they control your phone. They control the currency. They control the digits that are available to you on your phone. Well, then they own you. Yeah. And now you have to go to them to, you know, can I have some dinner? Yeah. And we're back to Oliver. Please, sir. I'd like a second bowl of gruel. Uh, more, please. Yeah, please, yeah. sir. Can I have some more? Yeah, no. they're, they're going to look at your. They're like, you haven't hit your date. You haven't hit your yearly child mutilation uh, quota. You haven't chopped you off haven't either hit your of your daily son's quota dicks. of genuflecting to the to, to the rain to the rainbow flag. Again, you haven't. Yeah, you have three sons, and you haven't chopped off any of their dicks. What mm. kind of father are you? What kind of father are you? You have a you daughter, have a and you have a, and worse. And then after doing that, you didn't send them off to fight and die against the Russians. Yeah. And you didn't even, you? and you didn't give him myocarditis before kindergarten. What kind of father are you? No money for you. No money for you. Nope. Yeah, it's fucking evil. Dude, it I'm, is evil. I'm but that's go- what they. But that's what they. That's what they think is the best. That is honestly what they think the is the best that humanity can uh, aspire to. Tommy, I yeah. want you to understand this. They really do think that we're just animals. Yeah. No. No. You know, and that they're somehow the enlightened philosopher kings that are going to lead us into the next generation. Like, good news for you, baby. I want Powell to go to twelve percent to break the to break the the to break these people. That's how angry I am at this. Like, I don't care. I if you if you you really want to get my libertarian bona fides like in a in, in panties in a twist. I'm like, fuck you. Where is it? Oh, really? You think five's bad? I'm sorry. Uh, we at the FOMC under you know Chairman Luongo. Um, you know, put forth the policy proposal after he twisted everybody's fucking arms. Uh, he asked for 8% rise this this month, but we're only going to give him 7. I'm like, all right, fine. We're going to 12%. Fuck you. What? You can't do that. Yes, I can. Well, that would, that would, that would be irresponsible. Fuck you. I know, I know that. That would bring everything to a halt. It would be terrible. And that's why I'm not FOMC chair. Um, for many reasons. But the, the least of which is that I would literally have already been at 7 and I think Powell has been right to go the way he has, even though the histrionic and um, vindictive Italian and Sicilian that I am would say we should already be at seven or seven and a half. You know, but, one of the know. reasons why you won't be a chair is because you've, you know, this show is, and I got to be careful about how I say this, this show is a lot like the Nazi high command in that, listen, if they win, you're fucking, you're going to be master of the universe. But if you lose, you're going to be hung. 
so if this podcast succeeds, you're good if you've been on here. If it just goes down, it's going to be like, now, Mr. Luongo, we saw that you've appeared on Tommy's podcast. You'd be like, I disavow that guy. I mean, you know, who would have known that what he was going to do for episode 1500 or you know, whatever scandal I get mired in? It's going to be something like that. Dude, I got I got to piss real quick. Tell everybody where to find you. Um, you can find me at TomLuongo.me on my blog. You can find me on Patreon at Patreon slash Gold Goats and Guns. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Pissing Off the World at TFL1728. Um, but no, Tommy's not not wrong about this. Like the, the thing you have to remember, anybody in this audience, who, I'm sure that there are very, very few of you, to remember the following thing, which is that if you think you're going to wind up on the, if you're going to, if you think that you can be um, the, the person going along with the, the, these people to get along and just survive it by, you know, working with the system, you'll be the first ones behind the chemical shed and shot. Antifa is going to be the ones that are, are shot first because they're like way too close. They know too much. And in every, every kind of purge like this and every kind of situation like this, it's always been the ardent supporters, the shock troops who wind up getting, you know, wiped out first. Oh, by the way, like anybody watching, anybody watching the Bad Batch on Disney Plus should, be, should, should know exactly what I'm talking about. The first thing, the, this is the story they're telling. The empire is taking, the story they're telling is that the empire immediately after taking power distrusted the clones. And so they're rounding up the clones and wiping them out. And that should tell you everything you need to know. What did I just walk in on? You walked in on me talking about... Have you been watching The Bad Batch on Disney Plus? No. The Star Wars, the, the sequel to The Clone Wars? No. I just walk in and really hear they got to wipe out the clones. And I'm like, that... that... <laughs> no. Well, that's what I mean. Is that what happens is that the story they're telling in, in, in The Bad Batch is, 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 is phenomenal. Because the minute the Empire took over and became the empire. The first thing they did was they started taking out, was one, monopolizing cloning technology. Wiped out the Kaminoans, you know, the big tall people from, from the, the, the supremely awful attack of the clones. And then went to war by, against the clones themselves to replace them with human troops, the stormtroopers. So what did they do? It's like in every violent takeover and every violent revolution, right? When we pass from one system into the next and a more authoritarian system. And so the ultimate authoritarian regime that only exists as a projection of power, that's the empire. What did they do? They took the troops that fought for them, the old system, and they got rid of them. That fought to help them take, you know, and now you're watching them, you know, watching the empire take out the clones. It's, 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 it's really sad. It was layered in the first season. It's completely, um, uh, obvious what's going on in the second season. And it's really, really good. And like people have a lot of complaints about star Wars today. I got news for you. Like not every series they put out is any good. Uh, like Obi-Wan classic example, terrible. It's not good, but all the Filoni stuff is fucking, all the, the Clone Wars shit is all fucking amazing. Really? Yeah, I mean, it's really good. I mean, even the even this season of The Mandalorian is going in a direction I was not expecting at all. And I think it's a very interesting. It's, I mean, the individual episodes have been, eh, they haven't been great, but I'm going to wait to judge, pass judgment until I see the entire story because where they are after the fourth episode, I don't want to give any spoilers on that. Most people don't watch the Bad Batch, but you should. It's probably the best thing they put out next to Andor since 
the end of the on on television, like the, all of, of all the television shows, the Bad Batch and Clone Wars season seven, the Bad Batch and Andor are the best things that they put out, and they're so good that you're you're really missing some great storytelling and some great lessons being told at a moment in time when they need to be told. Like to be so blackpilled as to believe that nothing good comes out of Hollywood is just bullshit because that's not true. No, yeah, they, all they still make stuff. good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, they make good stuff. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's just the good, the, this is the... The ratio sucks, the, but... No, the ratio is not great, but if you can find the... So yeah. part of what I like to do is to remind people every once in a while that, you know, hey, a lot of art that that happens when divorced from the day, from the time that it was actually produced, gives you, when you go back and watch it later, gives you a, a different perspective. I was watching, uh, so yeah. give you an, another great example of this. Um, because I don't, you know, this is, this actually matters to me. So back in the 1990s, when you were just a pup, you're how old, Tommy? I was born in 1990. Okay. So in 1994, this little show uh, premiered on, uh, on Warner brothers cable network called Babylon five. If you've not ever watched Babylon five, Tommy, you need, you, you need to set aside uh, a good 110 hours. Okay. I'm dead serious. Now. B5 to us back in the 90s was a revelation because it was a it was the day that television grew up. It was the show in which we saw the how television implied the path to how television grew up. I'm watching B5 again for the first time in probably 15 years. Uh, and I've watched it front to back so many times it's not even funny. I mean, even the episodes I despise, I've watched five times. Okay. Like the, even the really bad episodes. And there are a few out of 110. I'm watching it now with my daughter. She's almost 17. My daughter is absolutely adores Babylon 5. We're in the middle of season two, where it's just starting to get good. Even season one is like, it's so, you know, it's a typical season one of a television show. Eh, you know, it's a little, they're still getting their feet wet. They're still trying to figure out what to do, how to how it works and everything else. And the 90s production value in CG is, is, is going to be a turnoff for people. But it's the storytelling, it's the acting, it's the writing, it's so sharp. And B5 was uh, told you of a time of chaos and war, of intolerance and old hatreds and all of this stuff. Set in it, set, but it was being told during the middle of the 1990s. Now the 1990s were the good years. This was post-Soviet Union, the unipolar moment. Greenspan was, you know, juicing, the, the internet was just hitting. Greenspan was juicing the money supply and making everybody happy. It was the roaring 90s. No one really wanted to hear the story of that then, right? Not to say that Babylon 5 didn't do well. It did fine, and it's achieved cult and not only cult, but classic status. Anybody, you know, no one speaks, no one who's ever watched B5 speaks ill of it, really. Watching it today at this moment in time, as it was telling us 30 years ago what was going to fucking happen, you're, you'll just be flabbergasted. Just chilling. It's really good. And it's even better today than it was then. Not yeah. because the production values haven't aged like bad, like old fish, like to, to quote Bruce Campbell. Um, old television shows age like old fish, is yeah. a Bruce Campbell quote. Yeah. Um, and he's right about that, mostly. Um, it's because... The storytelling, the writing, everything about it is so good and was so ahead of its time and so prescient um, and so archetypal. It's 
worth every moment of your time it, because it spoke immediately to my 16 year old daughter, 16, nearly 17 year old daughter, who once she was two episodes in, didn't, you know, didn't care about the, the cheap production values by today's standards or anything else because it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. The story was good. Characters were great. All of that. And it works. And it's still, and it gets, and I keep telling her, I'm like, you haven't even gotten started yet. We are only just now beginning to start to see the payoffs. It'll be in the middle of the season two, payoffs of everything that's been set up and everything that's to come. And even for us, my wife and I, old veterans of watching B5, are seeing new things mm. in how it was conceived. And the, the, like the, the writer in me and the structuralist in me is just flabbergasted by what Straczynski pulled off then. Because he had it all mapped out. And he knew exactly what to do. And it was it's brilliant. Uh, and it's and it's and it's valuable. So there's plenty of stuff out there, and you know to help you make sense of this stuff. Than just sitting there listening to some listening to podcasts or listening to the latest news. Sometimes it's you you need to balance these all of this stuff off of each other and not just be so uh, so distraught and so you know angry. Yeah. That you know you've been betrayed by you know that Disney betrayed your youth or star Wars, you know, raped my childhood or quote Chris Gore from film threat when he saw the Phantom Menace for the first time. Like, really? Like I, you know, it's time to grow up. It's time to realize that there's, there's still good work being done out there. You still want to support good work and you still want to use what is great work as a metaphor by which to tell the story that's happening today, because this is how humanity survives periods like this. Having, stories to tell each other that helped us get through the previous crisis that's all storytelling is it's speaking to the future generations of humanity about how we got through this period so that you have the strength and maybe some seeds of of knowledge that we can pass on so to help you get through the next crisis because everything is cyclical and these and these and this has happened before to quote uh, Battlestar Galactica and this will happen again yeah, in January I read uh, Upton Sinclair's The Jungle. And mm-hmm. That book was written in like 1904. Mm-hmm. But man, I mean, the takeaways were just all the same. It was just like, work harder, don't make mistakes, don't be an idiot. The system is out to fuck you. Don't be idyllic. Work hard. Like, don't have you know, don't let your pride take over. Find the way to succeed. And uh, yeah, the red pill is like, if you have more money, you're probably gonna have less problems. Like. And that's about, you know, a guy in a you know Chicago meat packing, you know, 10 years before the Federal Reserve was, or eight, before the Federal Reserve was created. Right. But those lessons are, st- in 2023, I listened to it, and I was like, this is fucking incredible. Just mm-hmm. like the daily, just like grinding of like, going to the, I'm tired, go to the gym, shut up, do the work, do the podcast. And it's just like, Jurgis Rutkus, you know, it doesn't matter, I will work harder. It's just what he keeps saying. And it's like, yeah. And, yeah, no, and, and it's also important, I just got finished writing um, you know, the latest issue for the news, for the letter that I do for Newsmax. And, um, you know, I was, I got very philosophical in that, in that issue. And, uh, we always do in the gold coats and guns newsletter, um, which is the link to that's in the links to all time. The the Newsmax podcast, the Newsmax thing is all, is, is, is a different, is a different product with a different focus, but you know, gold coats and guns is, you know, mine and Dexter Weiss, we can do whatever the fuck we want with it. Um, and you know, we tend to take a very 
high level, high brow, and not even high brow, but we tend to take try and take a philosophical approach to every every issue, tying together a big theme, tying together, you know, tying every what we're seeing together thematically to try and come at what we're seeing from a different point of view every month to speak to people in different ways to help them, you know, see it possibly see it differently. And you know, we and we 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 think long and hard about this stuff. I mean, I'll, you know, this goes on. These, you know, these things are always the product of hours of, of, uh, of conversation and, 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 uh, and, and whatnot. And it's, 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 and the, the hard part is, you know, it's always, we're trying to remain fresh about this, but it's like, look, we come down to the same, um, things every time. Don't be distracted by the bullshit. Don't be distracted by the noise. Your goal is to achieve, is to accumulate real assets and real wealth. Money is not real wealth, certainly not digital money, and certainly not money that, money is a means to an end. It's a means to a better life. It's a means to a, and whatever that better life is to you, not to Klaus Schwab, not to Janet Yellen, not to, to, fucking Lizzie slap a hoe fucking Warren, not to any of these people, to you. Okay. And this is, and whatever that means. And, it, and as you know, from an investment perspective, you should be acquiring tangible assets because this is how you build real wealth. We're watching Yellowstone at the same time. Like my wife and I are watching Yellowstone when on nights when my daughter doesn't want to watch an episode of B5 or a couple episodes of B5. And um, there's that moment in the first episode of Yellowstone. I don't know if you've watched Yellowstone or not. I mean, what the, the setup is, which is that Kevin Costner, John Dutton, owns this the Yellowstone Ranch, which is the size of Rhode Island out in Montana. Mm -hmm. It's this massive thing. And he's being beset on all sides by people who want to take it away from him. Be the developers who from California who want to take all this shit bag, zero cost money and build, you know, and and and, and uh, build, you know, the, the Indians want to build a casino to take it away from him. This one, like everybody's trying to take his freaking land from him. And then even to the, you know, to the the reporter, the lesbian reporter from Seattle who just believes that no man should own this much land and it should be a, uh, a game preserve. Like, honey, what do you think his ranch is? Yeah. It's a massive game preserve. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, he's running cows on it to try and make some friggin' property to make to, to make enough money to just maintain the land and these guys are using law and you know to try and raise the property value so he won't be able to hold on to the land and they're trying you know in order to raise the property taxes to you know I, all of this shit and you're like you're listening to this and you're like but in the very first episode he's talking to his lawyer son jamie who doesn't get it and jamie is like and, he, the, and the the show opens with jamie taking a meeting about trying to see if somebody will sell him a portion of the land right I was like, no. And did you tell him no unequivocally? No. Well, yeah, but like, it's just a nego you know, Jamie kept thinking no is in terms of a negotiation tactic in order to get a better price, in order to get leverage. Costner, John Dutton turns to him and he turns around and he goes, leverage. Leverage is the thing. Leverage is knowing that if you had all the money in the world, this is what you would buy. That's the, that's the whole show in a nutshell. Now, is John Dutton a sympathetic character? Ugh. The way he's treated his family? No. Has he done terrible things in order to protect this property? Yes. Like, but has he lost, maybe he even lost his way at times. 
Yes. But he's not wrong about that statement. You use, you, you create leverage for yourself in order to, to accumulate assets that transcend money. Mm-hmm. They've got everybody so focused on chasing money that they're not chasing wealth. Yeah, it's like what Alan Watts said. You know, he's like, he's, you know, yeah, money is a means to an end. He's like, you mm-hmm. don't, you don't, you don't eat a menu. It's like order right. the food. The menu represents the food. Like, don't. He's like, you know, you go to the grocery store and you're like, oh my god, this, you know, this, I'm spending so much money. And he's like, no, you're giving them paper and you're getting milk in return. Like you're getting something, right? Don't 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 get lost. You're in trading, the you know. Don't don't. You're you're trading your time for this. Now, when yes. you have to trade too much time, because that's what money is—just the intermediate yeah. time. So that's what you're really complaining about when it costs so much. It's that yeah. it's, you know, it's the amount of money that the amount of time it costs you to buy that steak or to buy yeah. that pasta or whatever. And that's why, I believe in you know in the inviolate property rights. Single claims to property, not multiple claims to property and all the rest of it. Like, I believe in that. And it's the ethos of everything that we do, even that undergirds all of the higher level analysis. The higher level analysis is trying to figure out what these shitbags are trying to do to divorce you from your time. Now, if you can understand that, that is a revolutionary that's the revolutionary spirit yeah how can we to say no to the shit bags who just want to take all of our time away from us and tell us what our what the value of our time is what tell us what the value well and by proxy of what, what our money is and if they can control the value of the money they control the value of our time yeah that's the end game and they understand that yeah no that's the that's that's the end game that's the that's the total the total coup kind of like a 180 what do you what do you think actually ever happened to that was it ever solved like the two trillion dollars that went missing and donald's donald rumsfeld came out on september 10th 2001 it was like we can't find 2.3 and the next day a plane hit the pentagon where it was being it's still it's like a meme but no one right. ever dives deeper i'm like well what actually did happen what do you, so what do you think that, what is that? Do you think that's like black programs? Do you think that's CIA slush funds? Like 2.3 well, trillion? like I said earlier, like, you know, I, 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 I meant, I meant it when I said it, why are we, why are we spending, you know, Pentagon money on training, you know, training coups in Africa? Because we need to, because we need to play the grand game against the Russians and the Chinese. Like, what are we doing? When on the same, when that, that comes out and Putin, you know, Hosts forty African leaders in Moscow. Yeah, like the same week. You're not winning. No, you're. Fight. Yeah, you're. You're losing. It's Stop not, it. It's not Why good don't you when just you're. Failure? It's not good when you're making it hard to hate Putin. That's not good, man. Like no. that ain't. That ain't good. Right. Like right. I mean, when you make when you make it easy to like Putin, when we should all be horrified by. You know, I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, you know, not horrified, but you know, the Russians want to live under, un, under that system. They that's you know more power to them. Yeah, whatever. Right? Yeah. But, you know, when you when you realize when you really study Russia, you really study what Russia's 
ethos is as a government and as a and as a, an economic entity. It's very, very clear. It's pure. It's almost purely defensive. And any offense that they engage in is they are doing as a response to offensive measures taken against them. These are all counter punches, yeah. including Ukraine. Yeah. Russia's Putin also is like a hyper- judo guy. He's not a he's not a he's not you know, Putin's a judo guy. Yeah. No, it's it's also like a hyper masculine culture, right? Which is a a good thing. I think. Yeah. Certainly in today, certainly in today's, you know, um, you know, low T <laughs> environment. Yeah, no. Um uh just so we, uh, just so I don't don't forget the uh, the other question about something about live. Oh, and I forgot because it's like a live stream. I forgot that people actually comment and shit. And you can actually, you know, we can actually do some of that stuff. The live war versus Sofer thing is just the so Sofer is just the 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 new dead indexing rate for the United States, and it's a and what's live? I don't even know what LIBOR is. LIBOR is the London Interbank Offer Rate, and it's a it's a it's the overnight lending rate that banks use and to lend money to each other it's also written into almost every previously it was always it was written into almost every dollar denominated contract debt contract of any so your you know everything is going to be quoted as libor plus or minus x amount or libor plus three percent or libor minus two percent or whatever and libor is an unsecured rate that's that every night 18 london banks get together and decide what the rate's going to be for their benefit not ours SOFR is a collateralized market rate, a real market rate. Well, it's not real market rate because it's still influenced by the Fed funds rate and whatnot. But it's a much more market-driven thing built on, you know, actual mar- actual transactions, actual repo tra- transactions in the SOFR markets. And, you know, the Fed targets a particular rate that it's somewhere, it should be somewhere near the Fed funds rate. But it's going to trade there. And as long as it's trading near the Fed funds rate, then... The U.S. banking system is showing zero stress, zero real funding stress, because you know people can go into the super market and they can, and you know they can get money at you know a couple of basis points over the Fed funds rate. Cool, that's what it's supposed to do. When it dips below that, means that you've got unbelievable, you've got too much demand for money. When to, you know when it goes when it goes ballistic, like it did in September, uh, September 2019, it meant that the entire repo market froze up. Um, that there weren't enough transactions, to, but but so far in 2019 was not was was an illiquid market. Today it's more liquid than the classic euro dollar market. So, in broad strokes, for people to understand, LIBOR served the offshore dollar markets, the euro dollar markets, okay, because it was a global interest rate. SOFR is an American rate that is collateralized and set by the U.S. interbank market. So it's a way, so in effect, LIBOR could be manipulated or would respond to the health of the global demand for dollars. Whereas SOFR market responds to the domestic demand for dollars. This decouples demand for U.S. dollars into two different markets. LIBOR is going away at the end of June, all U.S. all all new U.S. debt as of January one last year is indexed to SOFR, not to LIBOR. All U.S. dollar debt, you know, that's that's regulated by U.S. the U.S. banking system, has to be indexed to SOFR. The old the old contracts 
have to be rewritten to be indexed to SOFR by June 30th. Now, there are plenty of things in place to, if that doesn't happen, that, you know, the, the, the contracts will still get quoted as a means by which I can get into the technicals on this, but just understand that they, they, the transition is happening and the bases are covered at how things will happen. And there won't be, there may be a, there may be some shock, but it won't be terrible. What it'll do after June 30th is it'll set up virtuous cycles for everybody to get on SOFR, whether they like it or not. Now you can say that that's not a market process. It's not because SOFR is, you know, still a centralized thing created bait that takes its cues from the Fed funds rate. But then again, you could also argue that like Jeff Snyder did about the Euro dollar markets, that the Euro dollar markets and the, and the, and the, and LIBOR dictated monetary policy to the Federal Reserve, <coughs> regardless of what the Fed wanted to do. Well, guess what? Now SOFR is going to do that. So now the U.S. banking system is going to, if, if it's going to wag the monetary policy dog, if anybody's going to wag the monetary policy dog, it's going to be SOFR, not LIBOR. It's a fundamental change. And the Europeans are absolutely doing everything imaginable to stop that from happening. Gotcha. Okay? Because they're, they can't, they can't, they can't work with this. Okay. So SOFR is, the transition to SOFR is incredibly important. Okay. Um, Somebody else commented, um, uh, any thoughts on Canadian banks? Last year during the trucker convoy, the Trudeau government began freezing bank accounts of protesters by the back off to the threat of a bank run. Were they told to stop? And then another question is, can Tom explain how the Treasury is manipulating the bond market and what it should really look like? I don't know if either of those tickle your fancy. Yeah, they do. Um, the, I, the, it, from what I've heard, from what I've read, and what I've seen, the Canadian banks are all moving towards sober. Like a lot of the Canadian banks, like uh, TD North, and um, there's another big one, I can't remember off the top of my head, have already moved over, have already declared that they're moving over to SOFR. So um, that's good. That means that, that the, what it amounts to is that the, the Canadian banks, like the US banks, have pushed back against this Davos agenda to destroy commercial banking. They've said, look, no, we're not doing this. And the way to do that is, again, to allow Powell to continue to do what he needs to do, which is to shrink the Fed's balance sheet and return um, proper risk assessment in the form of interest rates, in some form of it. Not, we're not going to have a free market for interest, for money, as long as the Federal Reserve's alive. But this is a step back towards an independent Federal Reserve that doesn't have to take it, that isn't forced to take its cues from the offshore shadow banking system. And the Canadian banks are all aligned with this. Um, and um, there's a, a growing political revolution happening in Canada as well. It's, is it gonna be, is it gonna be perfect? No, is Pierre Polivar um, the guy, the head, the, the, the front runner in the conservative party? No, is he better than Trudeau? Yes. But you can't get much worse than Trudeau and, and Christia Freeland, who are, you know, mother weppers all the way down the fucking line. Mother so weffer. there you go. Um, I'm going to step out for just a second. I'm going to reach over and get another cigar if we're going to chat for a little while. Yeah, so you go, talk for a second. Go, go for it. 
Yeah, well, I don't know shit about economics, so um, yeah, I don't know. I think we, Tom wants to raise it to twelve percent. I don't even know what he wants to raise. I want to raise it to fifty percent just to make a point. Now, I don't know what that means, but no, that that, that would be bad. No, that's, okay. that's, even Erdogan, even Erdogan in Turkey was like, "Look, we're not raising." The IMF kept telling him to raise interest rates to thirty percent. He's like, "If I do that, I don't have an economy." Yeah, like, and a lot of these people make these arguments, especially the the, the IMF. They make these arguments that, well, you know, if twelve percent didn't work or twenty percent didn't work. Well, then we have to go to 30. Well, no, I don't believe that an economy um, responds linearly to interest rates, regardless of what the number is. Like, I think it's a sigmoid curve. You know, I, I, I'm getting like, geeky about this. I think, it, I think that when we're out of it, when you're not in a crisis period, I think then, yes, you can have, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a portion of the interest rate curve in which, yeah, you can move interest rates to adjust economic conditions and but then again the market can do that we don't need the market to 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 go nuts um we don't need central banks to do this for us but by the same token um you know once you get too high what are you doing and you're just choking off capital formation you get them too low you're just you know increasing credit to infinity so clearly um the arguments about zero bound or negative bound interest rates are just as are just if, if you don't believe that those are, are valid, well, then you can't believe that you know infinite interest rates are valid either. And so, you know, from a from a you know high you know from a, if you think of it in terms of mathematics, you know, just like drawing a graph, and you've got interest rates on the vertical graph, and you've got efficacy of chain of, of making of, of monetary policy on the x-axis. Well, it's clearly a sigmoid curve. The, once you get down below a particular rate, you're not getting any more bang for your buck. Once you get above a certain rate, you're not getting any more bang for your buck. So, you know, and once you're outside of those bands, then you, as a as a central bank, you actually have to back off. And, you know, if you've got low growth, you go to the upper portion of the linear portion of the thing and stop. And just hold it there. Just kind of the way I give Elvira Nabulina over at the Bank of Russia a lot of crap because I think she's too IMF trained. And I also think that she might even be a friggin', you know, um, uh, WAF agent, or at least, you know, because she's so, you know, she was so trained by the IMF, she can't get out of that paradigm. I give her a lot of shit, but for the most part, you know, she's also navigated the politics of the situation in Russia very well, and she hasn't done a terrible job of, of uh, managing the Russian economy via interest rates. Um, She's made mistakes over the last 10 years, um, holding interest rates too high for too long or not letting them, you know, like she's done. And I think she did that on purpose. But then again, Putin just took her to the freaking woodshed and said, look, if you don't start lowering rates, we're, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have you taking behind the chemical shit and shot. And then amazingly, the next day after Putin was in the office, like, you know, she cuts by 50 basis points. But she was, you know, she was at 10 and a half percent when she did that, which was clearly being done to stifle this was back in like 2015, 2016, clearly done to stifle economic growth because she was taking her orders from, I think, taking her orders from, you know, people who were hostile to Russia, my, in my personal opinion. So I just think that there's a, but, you know, hers is a, she, she's a good example of what it looks like when you have a, a central banker, a head of a central bank that does even remotely good work. And, you know, the banking system rushes a mess and got to get out of it. You know, this is the, if we, I, I, let me put it to you this way, as bad as as many problems I have with Nabilina, I would have taken her over Janet Yellen any day of the week. 
because you know she's clearly not trying to sell her country out completely to these you know your these old european colonials so that was the one that was the one question what was the other one um uh somebody said how does this all fit in with svb but i think we did that at the beginning um somebody asked uh Tom claimed on Mel K's show SVB was a front for illegal immigration, fentanyl trafficking. Yeah. Where, where is he getting that from? And does this end the Dems election rigging apparatus? I don't even know. Personal question. Do cigars have flavor if you're not smoking them, if you're just chomping on them? Like, why did Curtis nah. LeMay always do that? Just was just. I mean, yeah, they, they, they you know, you, you taste the wrapper a little bit. I, I mean, I don't know. I just, I mean, I guess they do. I mean, I never I, really think about I it. I just figured maybe it's part uh, of the I mean, what, I, what, I, what I'm saying is that, you know, it's clear that's where the money was going because that's where, you know, we're going to find all this stuff out once F, once somebody gets to SIVB's books. Yeah. We're going to find out the same things that we found, found out about FTX. Yeah. Like, I'm just saying, I'm just extending. This is my Spidey Sense talk. Yeah. Like, I took one look at FTX. I said, this is probably what they were doing. And then it came out. And I'm like, oh, look, this is what they were doing. Well, guess yeah. what? We're going to find out the same thing about SIBB, which is, by the way, why Janet Yellen was so desperate to sell SIBB off to somebody. And she couldn't find any takers. Because nobody on Wall Street would buy the freaking bank. Yeah. I'm, I should have got some money from SVB. They probably would have funded me, right? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I'm 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 a I'm a I'm a straight white male with an American flag. Mm. They might. Yeah, I, I'm Tommy. I don't know, man. I, I might be too risky for them. They might look at this <laughs> and be like, "No, man, we'll fund the transgender petting zoo, but we're not we're not doing yeah. this shit." You fucking Nazi. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. Um, yeah, I think Tim Dillon said, "Don't worry about the Deutsche Bank." He's like, because their main, you know. He's like they have stable assets, human trafficking, gun running, and uh, and uh, the illegal well, that's drug the other, trade. And, and all that's the other thing about about like Deutsche Bank and yeah, what the fuck's going on? Does that look like they like? Well, that's all. You see, that gets that gets into the the whole AT one uh, additional tier one capital, you know, com- conditionally convertible bonds and stuff. I was trying to stay away from it um, uh, at the beginning of this because again, you know how how. Um, geeky, do you want to get here? I think oh, I, don't actually, get, I, I don't understand that at all. I just tweeted yesterday, nuke Deutsche Bank. Like I don't, I don't know. I said, I said, let's give weapons to uh, Russia. Carry again, twenty twenty four. I don't give. I think we should be fucking pincer attack with Russia. Let's go fuck up Ukraine. But that's that's why I don't, you know, have any power or any, <laughs> anything. Um, no, but, I mean, look, look, what? The, you get as geeky as you want, a, man. I don't a give funny, a fuck. There's a funny thing going on. I mean, I, again. Um, I, I, I laid it out really well on the Duran live stream I did the other day. Yeah. I, I kind of don't want to do it again today. Okay, no, you're fine. I don't. Yeah. And, and, and it's I not. It. It's not because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to avoid the question or anything. It's just, I really have, and I also laid it out in a podcast. No, I got you. Podcast, blog yep. post I did the other day as well. I think it's there, but the, the, the situation with Deutsche Bank is that it is contagion from Credit Suisse. Okay. That they're intimately, in, 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 and that the whole convertible. Co- what they call cocoa or conditionally convertible uh, additional tier one capital bonds that Europe gorged on in order to stabilize their banking system over the last 15 years. It's all now impaired badly. And this goes right to their, um, their capital adequacy ratios that they need to 
maintain in order to not be in violation of the Basel III regulations. And then they would have to raise additional capital. They'd have to go to the market. They'd have to sell assets. They'd have to do, and that's what everybody's like desperately trying to stay from stop from happening. Just, you know, that would mean Deutsche Bank would collapse and then everything else. And I got, and here's the thing. And this is the stuff I haven't said today, but I've said before for anybody who's watched me before, you know that American banks for the last, over the last four years, the big banks, we're talking JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs, you know, and, and, and Citigroup and others have all said, no, we're not, we're, we're, we're disentwining ourselves from the crap that's going on in Europe. We won't take European debt as repo collateral at par. They won't do it anymore. They haven't done it for years. For those guys to get cap, to, to get any collateral, U.S. Treasuries to back up their U.S. dollar de, de, uh, deposits, they got to go to the Fed to get them. But they, that's why the Fed was willing to open up a swap right. That's why the Fed was willing to you know keep open the swap lines for currency swaps. And every, and I, I got took a lot of shit on Twitter for this. And I'm like, guys, they gave the European Union, the ECB. Okay, so they they rolled over a a, a seven day um, interest rate swap or you know currency swap arrangement with the ECB at prevailing interest rates. Did the Fed cut interest rates immediately in order to give the European Union a uh, a, a, a euro dollar loan? You know, pledge some euros as collateral to get dollars. Did they give that to them at below the current Fed funds rate? Did they go in and and slash the Fed funds rate 200 basis points in order to give them that that loan at 2.75% as opposed to 4.85? No. They gave them that loan at the same rate they're giving it to everyone else. They're treating the ECB like a fucking credit union in Mississippi. If that's not the biggest goddamn slap in the face I've ever heard, I don't know. Like, that's Powell telling Lagarde, yeah, you can have dollars if you need them, but you're going to pay through the nose form. There's your proof. Like, I, I literally took shit from these, like, like, these these idiots on Twitter. Like, oh, this whole, you know, they literally went after me about this. That whole theory about, you know, the Fed going after the euro dollar market's bullshit. Look, look, $469 million worth of swap one. I'm like, yeah, 4.85%. Fuck a whole lot of you. The ECB just bellied up to the, the Fed's version of the discount window, did the walk of shame, and said, we need some money. And the Fed published it on their website. They didn't even like, keep it secret behind the scenes like they normally would. If, if it was Yellen who was in charge of the Fed, that would have been that would have been done and nobody would have ever found out about it. Powell just pff, burped it out there. Yeah. Like the ECB just did the walk of shame, and you're so it's like the it's like Vincini, inconceivable. Like you keep using that word. I do not think you mean think it means what you think yeah, it means. Yeah. Like fuck's wrong with you? Like, like you're just so friggin' programmed, and you're just so you just so want me to be wrong so that you can be right, as opposed to you know, okay, well you're gonna make a fucking fool out of yourself in public. I'm like okay, when your opponent is making a mistake, don't interrupt. Let them continue. Yeah. Lady, this is all line from from Babylon Five. I just watched this uh, this 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 uh this episode together night. Londo's three wives were all arguing amongst themselves, and because he just told them he's gonna he's, he's gonna divorce two of them and keep one. And he's like, 
Ladies, continue. <laughs> With a big smile on his face, going, "This is great. This is fantastic." I was like, well, yes, like, I, I'm like, okay. <laughs> I need three wives. Um, <laughs> I don't. You can barely keep. I can. I can barely keep up with the one. Yeah, I don't even have one. I don't know why. I was. Yeah, we. I, we were, I was playing with my buddies last night. We're gaming, and one guy was like, "Yeah, my rule is just like you never get back with an X, like, because you broke up for a reason." And I was like, "Yeah," but I was like, "But I guess that wouldn't. I guess that wouldn't count if it was like a Katy Perry or someone." And he, he was like. Yeah, but that implies you dated them. And I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. I don't know. Like, in my mind, I was like, well, you know, on the off chance I date and then break up with Emma Watson. Yeah, I was like, yeah, or, sitting or, in my or, chair. You know, in, with... my, in my world, it'd be, I, dated, I dated and broke up with Sandy Bullock. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sitting in my chair. Yeah, I, I, you know, like, if Sandy wants me back, I'm going. Like, you know, like... I'm literally sitting in my chair, like my gut protruding from my pajama pants. And I'm like, now listen, if I was dating Emma Watson, I'm like, what fucking delusional world do I live <laughs> exactly. in? Like, listen, I'd, I'd maybe take her back. Like, no, dude, you're fucking playing <laughs> video. You're playing video games to four people streaming. Like, shut up. Um, why did the Bank of England raise interest rates? Is it a countermeasure? Uh, the Bank of England's raising interest rates because they have to. <laughs> they can't allow capital to flip. They're desperately trying to. Uh, just like the ECB, they're being forced by the Fed to raise interest rates to keep pace and not have the currencies collapse. Okay, so. They're in a very delicate position in, in, in England and in the EU. Um, they don't want the euro to collapse. They don't want the pound to collapse. So in order to continue to, just like they don't want, this like the Fed doesn't want the dollar to collapse. So how do you do that? Well, you raise interest rates in order to try and make them better investments. Hey, I'll give you more money if you invest in our stuff. And, but there's a whole lot of swap lines, credit, um, you know, interest rate swaps and all the, you know, all the stuff that's out there, all these derivatives that people talk about all the time that are out there and they're all indexed to their carry trades that are out there that are, that are indexed and are only profitable if the exchange rates stay within a very tight band or the interest rate differentials stay within a very tight band. So every time the Fed makes an aggressive move to raise interest rates, everybody else now has to follow them. And, but at the end of the day, and this is one of the things that I say all the time, and a lot of people don't get it. And and it's okay. You're not currency traders. You're not bond guys. I get it. Like I didn't understand this stuff until I finally had to sit down and fucking learn it. Okay, in order to try and explain it to y'all. Okay, so a year and a half ago, I didn't understand any of this stuff. Okay, but when you when you go through the mechanisms of the trades as they unwind when you put pressure on one leg of an interest rate swap or you put one leg uh put pressure on one leg of a carry trade um and it moves against the parameters of one of of the of, of the contract and then one person is going to have to pay the other one you know because the once the thresholds are hit then the other person has to pay to make the other one whole because that was the agreement well if you don't want those blowing up and forcing everybody now to all of a sudden have to come up with cash that they don't have to pay off the contracts, then the central banks work their asses off to maintain the currency, uh, exchange rates, and the bond spreads. Now, if you're the ECB and you're worried about the spreads between Italian and German debt, because you're trying to manage that fucking thing, in order to defend, in order to keep Italian debt from blowing up, you might have to, you know, if Italian debt is blowing up, then you also have to, you know, keep 
the German debt may have to um, keep pace with it. That means you might have to sell euros. So you can protect credit spreads or you can protect the exchange rate, but you can't protect both simultaneously. So Lagarde's choice in front of her now and whoever it is over at the Bank of England, like I can't remember, it doesn't matter. He's just, he's just, a, yeah, he's just a functionary. Pedophile. Some dude. I can't remember his name. It'll pop into my head in a minute. Um, it's not Mark Carney. It's not Mervyn King. It's some other damn guy. Um, Lagarde's problem now is she needs to maintain credit spreads, especially between U.S. and German debt, and then, of course, internally within the Eurozone. So in order to do that, she either has to defend those or defend the Euro, but she can't defend both. And during crisis periods where everything is a fucking mess, yeah, the Euro's been all over the place, credit spreads have been maintained and everything else. He's been able to make this stuff work because there's a lot of fucking money flushing around and there's a lot of turmoil and there's a lot of things happening that would not normally happen. But once the once the chaos and the crisis starts to, to um, subside in the US markets, it's going to start creating crisis and tension in the, the other markets. And that's what she's staring at. That's part of what happened on Friday. We had a big run into the euro. Credit spreads were starting to tighten. Um, gold was at two thousand dollars an ounce, and then, you know, yeah, and then oh, where's look, gold going? A, what's that? Where's gold going? But it may go down and then up, and it's gonna it's gonna do a typical yeah. thing. The Fed still doesn't want to necessarily a much higher gold price, it because it doesn't want gold but they don't screaming that. That the Fed has made a mistake. But they don't control but that. Everybody else wants a higher gold price because they need it. Well, that well, gold is just like that's like the most stable thing. Like it's it's when it goes it's up, gold. it's not really going up. It's just it's going up for inflation. But it's like relative value is the same, right? It it, it is an ounce of gold is an ounce of gold. It's yeah. how many dollars does it buy you? It's real wealth. Yeah, I think in uh, I think in um, G. Edward Griffin's Jekyll Island, he was like an ounce of gold could like buy buy you a month's rent uh, in an apartment outside of Chicago in like 1904 and like right now yeah an ounce of gold about pays for my rent and my utilities for like a single mail and I'm in Portland Maine and it's like yeah so the dollars whatever that's the inflation that's that's how you can see how how much they fucked you over the years is the you know the 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 fiat gang rape that's been going on for the last 110 years um you know sometimes I wonder why this podcast hasn't brought in more sponsors and then just I Lead. And then you're like, and, and then, then I the listen back to like the sentence I just said. Mouth. Yeah, and then I just like the fiat gang. Like, yeah, you can't, you can't really, whatever. But <laughs> just a little, little aside. Um, yeah, you kind of see how fucked that is. But the Fed doesn't control that. I mean, gold kind of is. It's uh, it, no, I mean what? the gold price matters, and it does, and like it, it's important. Like, and the Fed does. The the Fed knows that you know the price of gold can rise, but only so far. And then they'll, you know, they'll like it, it, but they can manage that. And that's fine. Like gold ended this week at $1,980 an ounce. Did it break through two? It broke through 2000. It's going to, there's going to be an epic fight for $2,000, but it's still like the third highest weekly, weekly close in gold's history. What, what, what does and it that's mean? That's a big deal. What does it mean? Like the, I saw a column tweeted something about like Dennis Rodman's defending the $2,000 like Mark, like, but like what? What does that, that mean? What does that mean? Defending? Like, shouldn't it just rise naturally? No, because... no. It, it, it's it's in the futures market. It's in the it's in. You know, so there is human there's a number of different here. ways to 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 screw with gold. Because remember, gold trades like a currency. Yeah. 
never forget that gold trades as a currency. What's there are the, two. There are two. There are two prices for gold. There is the currency price of gold, and there is the spot price of gold, which is the physical price. Spot price of gold is the price you're going to pay plus or minus. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, and the currency price. People forget this. Like you can go look it up on investing.com, and it's XAU over USD. It's traded as a currency, and it trades in the currency markets as a currency. Okay, so there's a lot of there's a lot of shenanigans that gets played with, gets played in the currency markets in order to keep gold under, you know, but under. Eventually, the truth comes. But out. but but the trend you can only fight. You can't fight the trend. Yeah. Like, so the day-to-day moves don't matter. Like, you know, at some point, the Fed is going to flip and want a higher gold price. Today is not that day, but it's there and it's on it's on the horizon. Right now, a lot of the other, like the European Union wants a higher gold price because they need a higher gold price to offset the hole in their balance sheet from all of the, 85% of the ECB's balance sheet is vulnerable to a rate shock, is vulnerable to rising interest rates because it's mostly European sovereign debt, U.S. treasuries. They're all falling in value. When, when, when yield rises, the value of the bond falls. The price of the bond falls. Hmm. You're still paying a standard. That's It's, it's bond math, right? You, you, you have a bond that pays 4% at par, right? It bids that, uh, that bond up to 110, 10% over par. Well, the you're still getting the four percent coupon, but you paid ten percent over the value. So now you've got to amortize over the life of the bond the the price you paid. So the effective yield goes down, right? Because you didn't pay par, you didn't pay a thousand dollars for the bond, and it's going to pay out four percent a year. You're you paid one hundred ten dollars or eleven hundred dollars for the bond. Well, that hundred bucks has to be subtracted from the amount of dividends that you're going to receive over the course of the bond in order to get the effective yield of the bond. Well, the same thing happens in reverse. You buy a $1,000 bond for $850, that $150 gets added back to the value. Because at the end of the bond, you're going to get $1,000 back. That's the way that's supposed to work, right? You you loan the government $1,000. Five years from now, they're going to give you your your, your $1,000 back plus the 4% coupon, for example, that they paid you every year. So they're going to give you they're going to give you $40 in interest for five years. So you're not, not just going to get your 1000 bucks back, you're going to get $1,200 over five years, right? Well, if you pay $1,100 for that $1,000 bond, you're only effectively making $200 in interest. Well, if you paid $900 for the bond, now you're getting 6%. On the day the bond was issued, yeah. that number... Those numbers change the closer you get to the maturity of the bond, blah, 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 blah. It's a big complex equation, but it's all just math. It's all just algebra, okay? So just understand that as bond yields rise, the value of the bond is falling. And conversely, as the bond yield um, falls, the price of the bond is going up. Who has the most gold? The United States does. The IMF has a lot, too. The IMF, I think, has 11,000 tons. The, the Americans have 80 to 133.5. The Eurozone has about 10,000 total. But it's still pledged. It's still nominally owned tons. by the individual member central banks. Tons of gold. Jeez. Tons. That's what's U.S. gold reserves. And then you ask yourself the question, how much do the Russians actually have as opposed to what they tell us they have? 
and how much do the Chinese actually have versus what they tell us they have. Because remember, they only tell you what's in the account, the particular account. That's part of their Forex reserves. Jesus. I don't think the Russians have 2,300 or 2,400 tons of gold. I think they have 10,000 tons of gold. But they're all off balance. But you know, those, other, those other tons are off balance sheet, waiting to be used and deployed as a nuclear weapon. Same thing with the Chinese. Maybe they don't have 10,000. Maybe they have 5,000, 6,000. doesn't really matter. I think the Chinese have 10,000 tons of gold. Jesus. That's the amount of gold at Fort Knox, 147.3 million ounces. At nineteen at two thousand dollars an ounce, the highest price or the highest historic uh, was December thirty first, nineteen forty one, at six hundred forty nine point six million ounces. Mm. That's right. Wasn't FDR like confiscating all the gold? Yeah, that fucking that fucking. Yeah, well, he was a, he was he was a commie. He destroyed the he destroyed the structure of the Federal Reserve. He devalued the price of gold. He devalued the dollar in order to, and 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 increased the price of gold. My, and then we tried to go back. And then we tried to go back to the pre-war gold price after printing shit tons of money to you know 170 percent of GDP during World War II. And that's what Bre- that's why Bretton Woods failed. Like, why were we at thirty five dollars at thirty five dollars an ounce? There was no way we should have ever been at thirty five dollars an ounce. Gold should have already been seventy bucks an ounce or whatever. It was all, all just stupid. Yeah, my, my... But we did exactly the same thing that the Brits did after World War One. Oh, my, most likely because we because the Brits told us what to do. Well, I don't even get into those fucking people. What time is it? Three, Three forty. I'm gonna have to go. I'm gonna have to run in about ten minutes. No, no, I was well. I was gonna say no. We gotta we gotta wrap up before four because I got another one. Yep. Yeah. No. Yeah. My my grandpa passed in I think twenty ten. Yeah, so he lived through all that, and I think after he passed, like my grandma found that he had just been like storing gold in their closet. Yep. It was just like fuck off, like I'm not not fuck off to my grandma, like fuck off to the government. It was just like eat a dick. Yeah, basically, I'm just gonna keep, I'm just gonna keep stack. And uh, the people who are stacking, be it Sats, in Bitcoin or gold coins or silver coins, are gonna do very well. Yeah, just and if you've got real estate that you've got low carry costs on, or that you can offset the carry costs, carry costs being Taxes, insurance, yeah, blah blah blah. If you can offset the carry costs on, also real wealth. Like the twenty acres next to me is owned by a guy. You know, he's got it in silviculture. He's got it in trees. Yeah. So every every eight years or so, he has a clear cut. Gets some money off of it. He gets a you know he gets a huge tax break from the state of Florida. To you know, he's only paying one hundred seventy five dollars an acre for the land in taxable taxable value, versus the you know nine or ten grand an acre that it's worth while he while his trees are growing and making him value hmm. and trees grow six to eight percent a year trees are a great fucking investment it's real wealth baby yeah doesn't russia have a ton of fucking timber oh yeah they have an unbelievable amount of timber yeah they've got absurd like that, stores if, if putin really and he's been offering this to people he's been offering them land grants for you know Russian forest, I'd go, but you have to go and settle it, right? But I mean, even then, like you know, you don't talk about you unlocking value yeah. in the in in Russia, like dude, like you know, people should you know timber reeds in Russia would be an unbelievable fucking. Do you ever yeah. you ever hear the conspiracy that the gold rush was fomented just to get a bunch of people to go out west, settle it, get in skirmishes? No, I never with... heard that actually. But I, I love that. I don't, one. I, 
I love funny. Uh, it's to get a bunch of people to go because why the fuck else would you leave New York in a wagon like and go you, to California? Yeah, you have to put out an incentive, and then the Indians attack you, and then Uncle Sam's got to come in. Kind of brilliant because m- most people like didn't find fucking gold; they just built these little towns along, and then yep. yeah, and then it led to railroads and shit. Yeah, I think I think my great uncle, my grandfather's brother, also had a ton of gold because he was on D Day at eighteen. I think he's just like fuck off. I'm gonna do whatever the fuck I want. Like I served this country. Don't tell me I can't have gold. You fucking wheelchair bound faggot. Like again, the no sponsors. Can't help yourself. <laughs> no self. No reflection. No. No. It's it's them, not me. Yeah. No. It's it's me. I I I I hold the. No, Tommy, when I, you know, when you really think about this, people ask me about these things. And I'm like, you know, I didn't name it gold goats and guns for a reason, you know, for no reason. Yeah. yeah. Like that's your ethos. Yeah. Real yeah. wealth. Yeah. It's real wealth. I mean, in a large parts of this world, a man still measures his wealth in goats. Yeah. Yeah. The rest is just a game of musical chairs and like right. you're going to get fucked. But, you know, part of me thinks that the Wall Street thing's still strong because I think the high, the most expensive penthouse ever just went on sale in Manhattan. It's uh for two hundred and fifty million dollars. Yeah, it's on like the hundred and thirtieth floor. It's got its own. And deck. if some and if some idiot in Europe buys that in order to protect his wealth from what's coming to Europe, he's going to lose fifty percent of his money. Yeah. Because he's never going to be able to sell that for two hundred fifty million dollars. No, five years from now. But he might be fine with losing fifty percent. Maybe because he might have lost seventy-five or eighty percent. Because he gets to keep fifty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why it really is kind of wild. Just how much of New York is just like empty penthouses. That's just wealth stored. Becoming a theme, Tommy. It's becoming a theme park. I think it's hilarious. they're, They're smart. They should put a wall around to turn it into a John Carpenter movie. But you know, that's just me. I think that I do hate that they won't build a tower taller than the Freedom Tower. It's mm. like it's like the antithesis of New York. Every yes, skyscraper is. that went up was like vehemently opposed by everyone, and then they were like, "Fuck off, we're building." There, they used to be like ten stories is too high. Like you have right. New York because every tower was just like, "Now fuck you, I'm going to go higher." And now they're like, "We Dude, can't." I lived go in higher. Gainesville, Florida, for 25 years, and they had a rule in place that you couldn't build a building over seven over over three stories. Yeah. That there were that the Siegel Building, and on 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 University Avenue in Gainesville is eight, the seven or eight stories tall. It's an old building. It's over a hundred years old. One of the few, you know, for for an America, that, hey, that's a historic building. The University of Florida, uh, that was grandfathered in. That didn't have to be torn down by because the commies said no more than three stories. The University of Florida on its land had to get a variance from the city of Gainesville to build Beatty Towers, which is a big fifteen story, fifteen or twenty story dorm building today in Gainesville oh no that that's gone and they're building seven and eight story uh tower over shop complexes on the on the, the northeast corner of the University of Florida campus which is University in 13th so like kind of like the center of the old city um the, the shit that's going in there now is insane and what they're building there is insane and most of it's and most of it's empty which is weird because Gainesville is growing like a weed and but it's growing too fast and uh in order, and they had to do that in order to compete because everything outside of the of the city limits was where all the was where all the investment money was going. So that eventually, you know, once you know, once certain old covenants that were and agreements that were in place for the unincorporated part of Gainesville 
in Alachua County that was just to the west of of, uh, of the city limits. You know, the, the people, the developers who owned that land just waited out the county commission. Eventually, they built all the shit that they wanted to build, and all the and there's just an unbelievable amount of building out there, and um, which is on the west side of campus. And uh, oh, by the way, that whole area wants to secede from Alachua County and form its own new county. They don't even want to be a part of Alachua because they don't want to be ruled by the commies anymore. Jeez. So it's, it's 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 actually really quite cool. Jeez. So, oh yeah, I mean, it it is really quite cool. Last two minutes. Do you think? What do you think Trump's chances are next year? I think election fortification aside. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that I want Trump to win. I don't. I, really I, don't, I, don't, really, I don't. I don't. I don't really know that Trump has learned his lesson yet. He's still complaining about you know. And he's still he's still complaining about fucking Powell the idiot. Powell's doing everything imaginable to actually. Trump never really embraced the Ronald Reagan role that he should have embraced in 2016. Yeah. Which is, yep, it's going to suck, but we can get through this. No, yeah. Trump is still selling the Pollyanna that we can make America great again by um, levering up debt and going back to the old. So he's, 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 I think he's, I, I think he's right on a lot of issues and I think he's wrong on the core issues. And that's what doomed his presidency the first time around. I mean, again, he's still out there campaigning that we should be taking we should be taking serious oil. What are you? What are you? What are you? An idiot? Like this was boom. It was one of the worst foreign policy decisions you could have made. You should have been the anti-Obama and gotten us out of Syria. But no, you know, listening to neocons, you know, trying to pressure Iran off the face of the map, and all he did was push everybody into Iran. Yeah. Like, and I, I, so, but it's going to come down to the next year, what happens in Congress and how watch the budget fights, watch the debt ceiling fight very hard. If, if the born again, McCarthy that we've seen recently holds the line, I'm not giving high odds on this, but he holds the line on fiscal spending. He holds the line on war spending and all the rest of it. If we start to see that, then the presidential candidate who embraces that in a Reagan style populist movement, which says, look, we have to make we have we really do have to make America great again. And Donald Trump's not the guy to do it. That guy's going to win. Yeah. Or Trump has to stop campaigning like he's like he's trying to um, uh, grab the squishy Dems that hate him and will never like him and just dispense with all that bullshit and really really talk about America first in a way that is real. Like, yeah. yeah, our bank, our banks are superior and our, our system of capital formation and every, and all this still better than everybody else's and we can rebuild and we know how to do this. And, um, I don't know the way he's campaigning recently has me very worried that he's, um, that he's still Donald Trump. Yeah, he's losing me on the utopian. We're gonna build cities and f- flying cars, and I'm like, that's whenever the whenever the promise is is starts to get ridiculous. I'm like, oh, there's no. How about pipelines and bridges? You fucking retard. <laughs> pipelines and bridges. Yeah, what fuck? How about that? how about grain silos and diesel and diesel refineries? You fucking retard. Yeah. But that's what we need. We don't need new cities. What kind of central planning horseshits that cities arise where they should arise? 
Yeah, we should be we should be strengthening rural America, not not urban America. You know. But but remember, Donald Trump is still just a shitbag property developer from Queens. He is that. All right. Well, I think that'll do. Yeah, I say we wrap this one up. Um, guys, go into the description. You can find all Tom's blogs and YouTube and Odyssey and Patreon. I, I don't do I don't do anything on, on, on any of the video platforms anymore. All right. If you really want to find me, I don't stream anymore. I only use my YouTube channel for private the private podcast I do for my patrons. Um, that may change in the future, but as of right now, I have zero Tom Luongo branded video presence anywhere. Gotcha. Um, I do, and, I, and all the media appearances I do, including this one, will be publicly available on my Patreon feed. So if you're interested in becoming a patron, you can go to the Patreon. You can, you know, look up media, you know, just do a search for posts with the tag media. And if you're not a patron, you'll have access to them. But I put, I try to put them all there. So as a one-stop short list, I don't put them up on the, on, on the blog, on the public blog. I put them on the Patreon service. Because, well, if you're already a Patreon, well, then you're a warm lead. Gotcha. Sorry. No, you're gotta good. Make, I don't give gotta, a shit. Gotta, gotta, gotta make the shekels, baby. Yeah, I got you. Shekels make the world go around. Or make it right. flat. I don't know. Um, or make it flat. Yeah. And I'm not a flat earther either. No, neither am I. I had some guy reach out to me. He was like, dude, love your podcast. Love to come on and shoot the shit about flat earth. And so I sent him a, I sent him a link to my interview with Charlie Duke, who walked on the moon. And I was like, we already debunked it. <laughs> he, didn't get, he didn't get back to me. But yeah. Yeah, dude. Well, Tom, thanks for your time, man. As always, I love chatting with you. It's always an unholy alliance, and I enjoy it immensely. Um, yeah, dude. Till next time. It's all good. Thank you, Tommy. Have a, you have a great weekend. I will, yeah. We will talk soon. So you too, buddy. All right. Thanks for watching, everybody. Recording stop. Stay safe out there. Peace.